Hey everyone, Muriel here. Welcome to our living room. That's funny. <laughs> Drive Tabasco behind me for some reason. Well, that's the current state of things here. Anyways, thanks uh, to John and Leslie for recording worship so I could stay home. I wasn't feeling well on Thursday. And thanks to Kenzie for doing the readings. Two very different readings. The first is Psalm 150. The second is John 20. Uh, and the first is Old Testament. The second is New Testament. The first one is a poem. The second one is a story. Uh, and the first one is all about praise. The second one is all about Jesus. So two very different readings, but they do have two things in common. Um, they both are big climactic endings. The psalm is the very last psalm in the very last section of the book of Psalms. And John 20 is the very last chapter in the fourth and final gospel. There actually is a chapter 21, um, but most scholars agree it was added later. So this is kind of the grand finale. And they both have one very important word in common. Probably hard for you to notice unless you're following along with a bulletin, um, but we will reveal it in a moment. First, let's talk about Psalm 150. It's all about praise, the who, what, when, where, why of praise. Praise who, the Lord God, praise why, God's mighty deeds, praise where, uh, in God's sanctuary and in the firmament, the heavens, so aka inside and outside, so basically everywhere. And praise how? Well, with trumpet and lute, harp, tambourine, cymbals, basically any instrument you can get your hands on with everything you've got. So it's all about praise. And to get this point across, it repeats the same word over and over again. You know the Easter word, right? Alleluia. Um, it's Hebrew for praise the Lord. Hallelujah means praise and Yah stands for Yahweh the Lord. So in Hebrew, the first line and last line of this psalm are just one word, Alleluia. And every line starts with Allelu. Allelu this, Allelu that, Allelu this. Uh, except one, there's one break in the Allelu pattern, and maybe you caught it. It's the last one. Who is supposed to be doing all this praising? Everything that breathes. Let everything that breathes praise the Lord. All right, John 20. First, let's talk about what this passage is not about. It is not a passage about how the Jews are bad. The Jews, in quotes, did not kill Jesus. We hear a lot about the Jews in John's gospel, especially around Easter. Sometimes we translate it as Jewish authorities. Um, but poor interpretations of these verses have fueled a history of horrible anti-Semitism over the years. So the context is important. Remember that when this gospel was written, there was no such thing as Christianity yet. This gospel is written in a Jewish community for Jews, by Jews, um, and this particular group of Jews believes that Jesus is the Messiah. So anytime they're criticizing the Jews, it doesn't mean the Jewish people as a whole. This is a difference of opinion uh, among fellow Jews, some of whom are collaborating um, with the hated Roman Empire, which makes them quite unpopular. Um, another thing this passage is not about, it is not about how doubt is bad. We follow a very doubt-tolerant God, as our scriptures show. Um, doubt is not the enemy of faith. Certainty is the enemy of faith. Certainty shuts things down. Doubts create openings, um, which serve as entrances through which God can move. So doubt's a fine place to be. And if that's where you happen to find yourself, um, God will meet you there. All right, now that that's out of the way, what is this passage about? 
This is about Jesus and about the breaking news that Jesus is back, like really, really back. Let's recap what's just happened. Monday, Thursday, Jesus has a final meal with his followers, feeds them with his body and blood, tells them, go do likewise, washes their feet, tells them to go do likewise, says he loves them, tells them to go do likewise. Then we get to Good Friday. Jesus is arrested, tried, crucified, killed, buried. Everyone goes home thinking, game over. We've lost. Holy Saturday, everyone's in shock, in mourning. All of this is chapters 13 through 19 in John. And then we get to this chapter, John 20. This is the surprise ending, but it's kind of unveiled slowly, gradually. First we have the empty tomb, then one, then two, then three make people make the discovery. And an empty tomb, like, it does give you pause, but it's more mystery than, like, jump up and celebrate. It's a clue that not all is as it seems, but you're not going to whip out the tambourines and pipes and cymbals just yet. Then Jesus appears, but just to one person, just to Mary. And something about his appearance makes him unrecognizable at first, as if maybe he's fuzzy or, like, not completely there, but she doesn't recognize him at first. Then he appears to all of the disciples and they get to actually see him. And finally, at the end, in this passage, Jesus comes to them a third time and they get to touch him. So this chapter is wave after wave of realization for the followers of Jesus. He's not dead. He's alive. He's really alive. He's here. He's touchable. Welcome to a whole new reality. So this is a story that's all about Jesus and how he is a new kind of alive, and how he wants to make us newly alive too. And it all centers on a clever word play in verse 22, which is, but wait, I get ahead of myself. Psalm 150, John 20, two very different readings, set up in two very different ways to convey two very different things, but one important word in common. What's the word? Breathe. Psalm 150, everything that breathes, praise the Lord. John 20, Jesus breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. You know what a homonym is, right? Like one word that has multiple meanings. Like in English, a ring can be the band on your finger or the noise that a bell makes. Well, in both Greek and Hebrew, the two languages in which the Bible was written, um, in both these languages, the word for breath and spirit are homonyms. Same word uh, means both. So in Hebrew, it's ruach. In Greek, pneuma. Breath, spirit, same word. That's the word play in verse 22. When it says Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, it's using the same word twice. So they're saying Jesus pneumed on them and said, receive the Holy Pneuma. This isn't the only place that this word play shows up in scripture. Genesis 1, the creation story, um, there's two equally valid translations. You can say in the beginning when God created the heavens and earth, earth was a formless void, darkness covered the face of the deep, and the breath of God... Or, equally, you can say, the Spirit of God sweeps over the face of the waters. So with nothing more than breath, God speaks the word into being. In Ezekiel 37, that's the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. Um, It's basically a, a graveyard. There's no signs of life. Up comes God, and God says, I am going to open up your graves and bring you up from your graves. I will put my breath, my spirit within you, and you shall live. 
You guys, this is our God. This is what God does. God lives to speak a new thing into being. God lives to pull us up out of whatever graves we find ourselves in. God lives to breathe new life into us, to fill us with the Holy Spirit, a breath. This is who God is and what God does. God wants to make us so fully alive that even though we die to this world, we will never, ever, ever stop living. This is our God. And to get this life, what do we have to do? Almost nothing. We don't have to be good. We don't have to say the right things or believe the right things or behave any certain way. We don't have to know all the answers. We don't have to have it all together. We definitely don't have to get rid of our doubts. We don't have to be gifted in any way except one. There is one thing God requires of us, one thing we must do, and it is this. We must be able to receive. And actually, as simple as that sounds, that's not actually that easy, right? To give up control and independence. And, and sometimes for some of us, being willing to receive is actually incredibly hard. Um, but it is worth it to practice this and cultivate this skill ourselves. This one skill that we need to unlock all the blessings that God wants to pour into our life. So think about how you're doing on this. Um, how, good, how good are you at receiving Receiving help, receiving guidance, receiving feedback, receiving compliments, receiving gifts that you didn't earn or kindnesses that you can't repay. That's tough stuff, right? Um, but we can practice. We can practice and let's see by next Easter where we're at, okay? Jesus lives and dies and lives again so that we might have life in his name. And so as we receive this gift, this breath, this spirit, this life. As we breathe in this grace, we breathe out praise, song, dancing, crashing cymbals, in celebration of being made newly alive every minute of every day. So may you know that it is in God that you live and move and breathe. May you breathe in grace and breathe out praise. May you learn how to surrender yourself to receive it all. Amen.